following is a teaching message from Shaw Community Church. For more information on Shaw or our teaching resources, visit www.shaw.org.nz. We're going to kick off this year with a short video. You got that thing queued up? Look at his face. What a look on his face. What do you think's going through his head? What do you think's going through his heart? How does he feel? Does he feel happy? <laughs> no. His father, his hero, has betrayed him. He looked up to him. He was his hero. And look. Look what his father's doing. How do you think he feels? Betrayed. Feels hurt. Feels angry. How could you do this to me? How could you do this to mom? How could you do this to us? Unfortunately, it's all too likely that some point in our lives, either before or later, I don't see any just now, you will wear an expression like that. Someone, somewhere, somehow, some way is going to hurt you, maybe profoundly, maybe trivially. But at some point, you're going to feel like that. What do you do? What do, what do we do as Christians? Well, thankfully, we've got this manual of life called the Bible, right? So you look up in the index, I'm angry, what do I do? Page 222, okay. <laughs> an eye, an eye, eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Knock his teeth in. Isn't that what the Bible says? I like that verse. <laughs> mm. Context is key, right? Now, the context for that one is more let the punishment fit the crime. So today, I'm going to talk about a slightly different approach. Today we're in Matthew 18. And so the, the version that I'm going to be uh, using today, you probably don't have. <laughs> it's special. All right, you can go ahead and throw it up, please. It's from the Cotton Patch Bible. The Cotton Patch Bible is written by Clarence Jordan for Southerners in America that didn't know what Bethlehem was. For instance, it said that Jesus was born in Gainesville, Georgia. <laughs> I know Gainesville. I got a cousin that lives there. <laughs> right? It was accessible. So it's heavily paraphrased. It's a creative interpretation. I thought it might make it interesting today. <laughs> and I'm also going to practice a, a Virginian accent. So we'll see how we go. The God movement is like a big businessman who wanted to settle the accounts of his customers. As he started to do so, one customer came in who owed a bill of more than $10,000. He had nothing to pay on the account, so the businessman told the sheriff to put up for sale everything the guy had and apply it to the debt. Huh. That fellow did a song and dance. Please give me some more time and I'll pay every cent he begged. The businessman was touched by the guy's pitiful pleas. So he let him go, and he marked off the debt. Just like that. 
$10,000. That's a lot of money, is it? <laughs> well, for some, $10,000 today won't buy you a house like back in the 50s, 60s. The value of money changes, right? I did a little research. You know, like I said, this was written for people in the American South in the mid-20th century. The Pew Research Center noticed that in the 60s, out of all people in the American South, from Virginia down to Florida, across to Texas and back, 45% of people in that vast tract of land were impoverished. One out of two people in the American South lived in poverty. The post-World War II boom just passed them by. And there are a few definitions of poverty, and a, an accessible one is the dollar a day limit. For some living in poverty, they have one dollar a day to live on. Imagine that. And that's a bit dated. A more recent version is two dollars a day, inflation being what it is. 2015 dollars, you map those back to the 50s, that's 20 cents. Living on 20 cents a day, scraping enough to buy some corn pone, maybe some fried chicken. <laughs> Is that southern? I remember fried okra myself. <laughs> Does anyone know what okra is? If you're going to eat it, fry it. Don't steam it. <laughs> uh, anyways. <laughs> so if you earn 20 cents a day, how long does it take to pay off $10,000? Yeah, you know, my degrees are in mathematics, but I'm not a calculator. <laughs> right, but I did use a calculator, and I calculated, oh, that will take 137 years to pay off $10,000, collecting 20 cents a day. How many people do you know make it to 137? None. <laughs> it's impossible to pay off. It was an immense amount of money, and it was just forgiven. Of course, this parable is talking about God and sinners. God, the businessman, settling accounts with his customers, customers, us, and we are the spiritually impoverished, earning our, our 20 cents a day of spiritual coin, doing our good deeds. You can do good deeds, you can do good, but it's never enough. We are sinners. God's law doesn't say, do your best, I'll take that 20 cents, and we'll work with that. No, he says, you must be perfect. You break the law once, you're going to pay. What's the price of sin? Death. God's law says, no forgiveness without the shedding of blood. Hebrews. Sometimes I think, it's, that sounds kind of harsh, doesn't it? He wants blood? <laughs> I debated whether or not to put this in, because I'm notorious for Simpsons references. <laughs> but there was a time when the Simpsons, they went to Marrakesh, and they were leaving the airport. And Homer, he was patted down by the security as he's boarding the plane. And they tear open his shirt, and he's got all these, like, coffee cups, bookmarks. He's taped and smuggling touristy trinkets out of the country. 
And he's like, stop, stop, stop. And he's like, oh, I surrender, I surrender. And it's like, you must pay a fine of two American dollars. And he's like, uh, uh, oh, oh, here you go. <laughs> if the law says pay a fine of two bucks, do you respect that law? So when God talks about, you break my law, you pay with blood and you will die. This is God we're talking about. Not the airport security at Marrakesh. <laughs> right? Could I get uh, the next bit? Well, recently I was walking through Ponsonby. I guess it's a while ago. And so we were looking for a place to eat, and I saw this man's face outside a joint called Murder Burger. Murder Burger. Just saying it feels weird. Are you playing it? Play the thing. And so I was, as I was asking people around me, do, do you know who that guy is? On the cover of Murder Burger? Is it this man? He was one of the most notorious American serial killers. He was convicted in the 90s for sexually assaulting, murdering, and cannibalizing his victims. And there was his face outside Murder Burger. So what did I say? Let's go get a burrito. <laughs> right? With this man in prison, he asked, can I be baptized? And the chaplain there, Roy Radcliffe, he said, yeah, of course you can be baptized. Anyone can be forgiven. And he wrote a book about it, Dark Journey, Deep Grace, where he described his experience leading Dahmer to Christ. Any sin can be forgiven through the shedding of blood. Shedding of whose blood? Christ. This man is in heaven, according to testimony of Roy Radcliffe. How does that make you feel? Some people might think, he cheated, man. He committed these horrific crimes. This fellow who plumbed the depths of human depravity, he's now in heaven. Does that sound fair? Does that sound right? God forgave him his sins. $10,000. I say more like 10 gazillion. <laughs> 10 gazillion dollars erased just like that. Bang! The sovereign God says you are forgiven. <laughs> That's the word. That's the law. You know what some people said, though? Some Christians? See if I get this right. If Dahmer is in heaven, then I don't want to be there with him in heaven. If that guy's forgiven, then I want nothing to do with God and his justice and his forgiveness and his mercy. They would what? Rather take the alternative? Which is, which is what? The Bahamas? Right? There's not a lot of alternatives. <laughs> Biblical reality being what it is. Hmm. God's mercy and grace. What a profound demonstration. Let's move on. 
So continuing in Matthew 18, what does this fellow do who's received mercy and grace? I'm going to shift back to Virginia accent. <laughs> then that same guy went out and found a man who owed him $100. Grabbing him around the neck, he choked him and said, pay me that money you owe. Please give me a little more time, the man begged, and I'll pay every cent. But he refused, and instead he swore a warrant out for him. When the little man's friends found out about it, they were really upset. So they went and told the big businessman all that had happened. The big businessman sent for the guy who owed him that huge debt and said, You low-down bum! I mocked off all that debt for you because you begged me to. Shouldn't you then have been kind to that little man just as I was kind to you? Still hot under the collar, he turned the fellow over to the law to be thrown in the clink till every last dime of that debt had been paid. The clink. Huh. A little southern flavor for you today. <laughs> what a sequence of events, man. This guy, he owns a gazillion dollars. And he goes in, oh, man, I can't pay this. Uh, please, please don't throw me in jail. Please don't sell me and my possessions and my family and my kids and all my stuff. Oh, okay. You're free. Go. He's like, hey, man, you owe me 100 bucks. How dare you? And then it's back in the clink. And you know what Jesus says about that? <laughs> there we go. And my spiritual father would treat you along the same lines unless every single one of you forgives your brother from your heart. You could be in the clink. <laughs> Uh, I don't want to go to the clink. Is it, can we get Neil's face back up there? But you know, when you're wearing an expression like that, when you're wearing that face, but this isn't right. This is unjust. Look what my hero did. He betrayed me, he betrayed the family, he betrayed my mother. It's not right. You must forgive your brother as you have been forgiven or you get thrown in the clink. It's not easy to forgive. <laughs> it's not like flipping a light switch. I guess it depends, right? The scale of the stuff that you're dealing with. I got to thinking about examples in, in my life for like I struggled with forgiveness or I messed up, someone tried to forgive me. Hopefully they did. I'm not in debt somewhere. <laughs> You know what came to mind was um, what happens when we don't forgive? What are the consequences? You know, the choices that we make influence those around us. And I remembered as a child growing up in New Mexico, going to family reunions in the panhandle of Texas, lovely Denison. And I'd meet great aunts and uncles. That I, I didn't know who they were. So, oh, okay. And they'd poke at me, boy, you sure done grown up. <laughs> You don't poo everywhere no more. So, oh, good. <laughs> right? Thanks for that, great auntie person. <laughs> right? And I, I remember just the extreme lengths that you had to go to in the family to prevent great uncle so-and-so from running into cousin such-and-such. -such. Because, boy, if they cross paths in the same room, sparks are going to fly. 
Why? They had some issue. They wouldn't talk to each other. They had nothing to do with each other. Why? I, I don't know. <laughs> Someone really got offended over some dang thing, and they've held this grudge for years, and they burn that bridge. I will not forgive you for what you did to me. I will have nothing to do with you. You are excommunicated from my circle of friends. There's this proverb that I often get prodded with in my own life, particularly driving on the motorway. I'm sure we can all relate. <laughs> Fools show their annoyance at once, but the prudent overlook an insult. Nah. I'm overlooking you. I'm overlooking you. <laughs> right? Good grief. But for some, some of my family uh, uh, relatives, they carry grudges to the grave. And for some of them, you know, they didn't have relationships. They didn't have friends that lasted more than a few years because they took offense. And they burned bridge after burned bridge after burned bridge, and they died alone. Not forgiving. I myself have struggled with forgiving the debts of others to me. I'll tell you about a friend of mine, a guitarist in a band I was in in the States. His name was Burley, and he was Burley. <laughs> he was such a stocky dude. And he was a brilliant builder. He could do anything. He poured foundations. He helped me install ceramic tile. He did electrical, mechanical. You name it, the guy did it. Burley. Man, he was terrible with money. He owed me so much money. I said, can you help me? I said, oh, okay, sure, here's some money. Okay, I'm still in you're hurting. Okay, here's a bit more money. I said, dude, 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 <laughs> you're into me for so much money. You, you, you need to, to pay some back at some point. Uh, I mean, he's a fellow Christian, so it's like confront him. Look, man, this, this doesn't look right. You know, you don't want to be a debt, and you need to pay back. So how about a token effort? Just give me five bucks a month, 20 cents. Five bucks a month. So you'll never pay it back, but at least it's something. Here's five bucks, man. I'm trying. It didn't happen. And then he got whacked. Life being what it is. His wife left him. His wife of 15 years and five kids. Goodbye. Burley was in a tailspin. He was devastated. He didn't get to see his kids. So I was like, well, I, I can't help you with money. We've been down that road, but you can come crash at the house. Help me work in this crazy house as we're modeling a house. So I give you, give you a place to stay. So they stayed there, and we worked for a while, and then he just wasn't quite pulling his weight. I was going to confront him. He's like, look, man, you said you were going to do this. You've got to be a man of your word. You're not doing your business. But he took off before I had a chance to give him a proper uh, friendly chat. All right. I didn't see Burley for a while, but I was still working on that lovely house. <laughs> oh, remodeling a house. And I remember so distinctly how this happened because I was sanding my walls. I was using a power sander, so I'm like, sanding. Man, I'm going to have a bedroom soon <laughs> with a floor and everything. And I just had this overwhelming compulsion give Burley money. So I'm like, what? No, man, that's crazy. I'm not going to give him any money. I'm saying, give Burley money. 
no way. He's totally irresponsible. I already gave him money. He doesn't you know, try to plan, pay any back. He doesn't do any of the right things. No, no, no. You need to give Burley money. So I'm like, what's, what's up with this? So I talked to friends. I was like consulted people. Is it responsible to give someone money that never pays it back? So, oh, no, that's irresponsible. I don't want to enable these people. because you know, And the Bible says don't be in debt. So this is the wrong thing to do. Yeah, it's the wrong thing to do. Don't give him any money. So, okay, so I felt secure. Okay, sweet. I'm not going to give him any money. <laughs> Those compulsions didn't go away. I was being prodded. You need to give him money. We had a band meeting. Everyone gets together to try to figure out, what are we going to do with this music project? The first time I'd seen Burley in ages. And I'm sitting there, and it would not go away. Give him money. Fine. I'll do it. I'll give him some money. You, come here. Get in the car. Sit down. I'm going to write you a check. Here's a check. Take this money before I change my mind. So I was like, Ugh, are you sure you want to do this? No. <laughs> and he's like, I can't pay this back. I know. <laughs> just giving you this. I guess I have to. God was just prodding me. Give him money. And so Burley, Burley, starts weeping. And context is key. He told me what the heck was going on. He scraped together all his money, every last dime he had, gave it to his wife. I love you. Come back. She took that money and moved to Texas to be with another man. He was devastated. He was destitute. He was living in his truck. He didn't have anything. And New Mexico, being where it is, he had an opportunity with the Mexican mafia to ferry packages across the border. And he was desperate. And he was looking at taking that offer. Yeah, New Mexico, Breaking Bad. Yeah, it's just like that. <laughs> but you know, once you go in there, you don't come out. It's not easily. Or not feet first. And here I was, giving him money. <laughs> it wasn't because I forgave him. It's because I wanted God, leave me alone. <laughs> and then just a recognition, oh, wow. There's a lot more going on here than just me and my issues. You know, and, I, and I recognized at some point, it's not my money. It's God's money. I'm just a steward. My name's on the bank account, but God gave me that money. And he put me in the right place at the right time. And Here's some money. Do not work for the mafia. And the profound effect that that had on his life. If I had not given him the money, I don't know where Burley would be. Can we get Neil back up there? So when you're wearing that expression, and you're wearing that face, how could you do this to me? It's not going to be fun. <laughs> when God says to forgive, it doesn't necessarily say it'll be trivial. It's like flipping a switch. Bang. Oh, sweet. I forgive you. No, it's going to be hard, especially for heavy stuff. That's a process. You pray through it, work through it. You may not even get the chance to talk to the people that did stuff to you. But you know what it also comes down to as Christians? It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about God's mercy and grace. God forgave Jeffrey Dahmer 10 gazillion dollars. 
God forgives all of us our $10,000. Surely you can forgive others $100. Can we get that last bit? It's going to leave you with this quote from the always awesome C.S. Lewis. To be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. This has been a teaching message from Shaw Community Church. For more of our teaching resources or to donate to our teaching resource ministry or for more information on Shaw Community Church, visit www.shaw.org.nz Alternatively, you can email office at shaw.org.nz or phone 09 415 0455. Thank you for listening.